Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right. We are back in the studio and talking about the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. Of course, this is so uh, relevant today because not only um, did Jesus write these letters uh, to these real historical churches, um, but these are are principles and truths that apply to all the churches in every age. And thus far, we've looked at the letter to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and we're kind of hovering over Thyatira right now. Now, did I, am I saying it right? Is it Thyatira or Thyatira? I feel like somebody said it differently the other day. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) We we said it several different ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, you know, this, this is a time to remember uh, what I always tell uh, when people are, are, are asked to read scripture in our worship service and they want to know how to pronounce a certain name or, you know, with confidence. <laughs> That's what I always tell them. Hey, just say it with confidence. Nobody will challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, can somebody summarize uh, what this? What were some of the elements in this uh, letter before we begin? So, once again, it takes the, the same pattern. Um, he commends them up front. I know your works, your love and faith and servants and, and patient endurance and that your later works exceed the first. I mean, if you look, they really stop and think about that st- statement, that that's quite a commendation. Yeah. Um, my wife and I often talk about this, that we want to age well, um, that we want to grow old well, that we've seen so many people that haven't. And in some ways you have a, a, a description of the church saying that they're aging well, that their latter works exceed their first. But... Um, they do have some some issues that they still need to to work through, and um, Phil talked about this that this this key statement in in verse twenty that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, and Jezebel representing um, all sorts of evil um, in the the Old Testament and in, in the nation of Israel that all that she not only um, permitted, but how much she encouraged that was contrary to the Word of God and led the nation and, and led the leadership of the nation into to immorality. And so here you have this critique of the church saying, well, you've done some things well. However, you haven't been as serious as you needed to be with regard to sin within. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're putting up with them some things that ought not be within within the church of Christ. Mm-hmm. So how can um, a Jezebel-type person um, so affect the health of a church? And how can we as church leaders, um, you know, guard our our flocks against that? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I mentioned yesterday, this is a church where their virtue, it's filled with virtue and vice. And I think that we need to be, 
as a church, we need to be able to identify both of these things. The character of Christ comes through in verse 22, where he, where he says that I am he who searches mind and heart. Um, you know, it's very difficult. We, we can, a, a church can actually judge what we know, but we don't very well search the heart. In fact, David in Psalm 139 actually asked God to search his heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there any, is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, I mean, the, you know, one of the things that the church needs to do is uh, help people, lead them in repentance, lead them into, you know, a, a, you know, that heart relationship with God. It's not just the knowledge in their head. Um, obviously, they serve. You know, there's, there's, there's some, there's, Several ways when we know that one is following Christ. One is, one is uh, you know, objectively we know certain objective things of truth. We uh, we know works what people do, do. But the one area that we don't have the opportunity to really look into is the heart, and the heart is, uh, in essence, what is being addressed here in in uh, in this church at Thyatira because yeah. their heart is tolerating two things. Yeah, and, and at the, in the introduction to the letter, and we've talked before about the each of the letters follows uh, the same outline. And in, at the beginning of the letter, Jesus is introduced, and uh, specific characteristics of Jesus are uh, affirmed. And uh, in the letter to the church at Thyatira, chapter 2, verse 18, uh, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. Um, and uh, once again, that image comes from uh, the first chapter, but eyes like a flame of fire. Uh, Jesus has x-ray vision. He sees right into the heart. A searching and penetrating look. Yes. And, and purifying. Yes. Like his feet um, are like burnished bronze, and the description in chapter 1 is that those were refined... Um, in a furnace, mm-hmm. and so this this fire is penetrating, but it's purifying. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, this particular church was doing, they were tolerating the woman Jezebel, who was, you know, as we said on on yesterday's broadcast, that she was teaching um, sexual morality and teaching them to eat food sacrificed to idols, which was a, a, a form of um, participating with um, demonic pagan practices that were um, accepted in the culture. And so it's basically, well, I can be accepted by the culture and participate in the church. And so maybe one immediate like parallel to today's to today's world, well, how does this apply today? What does it look like to kind of tolerate, you know, the teachings of Jezebel today? I would say one thing for for from my perspective is the idea of of preferred pronouns. Um, like the cultural catechism today is absolutely human, human autonomy, whatever you are, you can create yourself, you can invent yourself, you can be who you want to be, irrespective of what God says, and you have to agree with me. And so you have to use the preferred pronouns that I, that I'm, that I want. And I would say to the Christian, you know, if, you, if you're asking, well, what is the big deal here? Why, why can't I just agree with somebody when, when they want to be called a certain pronoun? Well, I would say that the ninth commandment says you shall not bear false witness. And it's, it's lying to that individual. It's lying to the world around you when you're participating in that kind of um, 
that it's paganism is what it is. Well, mm-hmm. I would even go so far as to say it's even more nuanced than that. It's about res- you know wanting respectability. And this is one of the reasons why you might not call out somebody on preferred pronouns. But you also might not say anything about preferred pronouns. You just don't say anything at all because yeah. to say something is to lose your uh, respectability. Lose your respectability. And this is a, a church that they're not being persecuted from the outside. Um, they, they're just seeking respectability. They're tolerating both these, the vice and the virtue. Yeah, and uh, Christ is rebuking them for their toleration. And uh, we, we talked the other day about um, how that cuts against the grain of our culture that's our, because our culture so values. Uh, w- one of our highest values in, in this culture is the culture is the value of, of tolerance, of toleration. And uh, here in this letter, Christ says, I have this against you and uh, that you tolerate. You're tolerating false teaching. Um, you're tolerating uh, immorality. Uh, think for a minute, and I'm going to I'm going to name some names, uh, some some trendy uh, spiritual books that are out there in our culture, and uh, like say Rob Bell, uh, Jen Hatmaker, um, and somebody can bring one of those books into the church, and uh, wow, it, this is just something we ought to read just to, just to stir the pot, uh, and can't can't you tolerate something that's just you know, on the edge a little bit, and it'll make us think, and uh, we can have a great discussion about it. Yeah. Seems like you've well, heard that before. Well, you know, yeah. there, there, there are those, <laughs> yeah. there are those churches that will bring in the Buddhist and the Muslim and the other just to talk to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it may, it makes me think. Um, one of my favorite preachers is a preacher of a past generation, uh, a German preacher named Helmut Tielicke. One of his sermons on Genesis chapter three, the where Satan uh, leads Adam and Eve astray in in the garden by saying, he asks them. Satan asks Adam and Eve, "Did God say? Did God say you shall not eat of, of this tree?" And uh, Telica's take on that, and I think he's right on. He says the spirit of Satan is the spirit of discussion. Yes. All, all Satan wants to do is have a discussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's talk, and uh, you know Satan has his he has the folding chairs set up, and he's got the chalkboard or the whiteboard, and uh, he he's going to hold a Sunday school class. Can't we just talk? And that's the way false teaching enters into the church. Yeah, again and again and again. Let's let's just talk. We we, we can have we can have a tolerant spirit, can't we? And I think I'm going to just take off my pastor's hat and put on my coaching hat. I've been coaching track and field for 25 years. And then there's sometimes that you have a kid on your team. Sometimes it can be a very talented, gifted young person, um, but they have a terrible attitude, um, terrible work ethic. Um, uh, and honestly, their attitude and, and actions are actually a detriment to the team, despite the fact that they might be the most talented person on the team. Hmm. And, as a coach, you might be tempted to overlook some of the attitude and actions that are outside of the bounds that you've set up for your program because of the talent that they have. Um, and then you say, oh, what's the big deal if I, if I just ignore that hmm. um, because of everything else that they bring? And I think sometimes we're willing to do that in the church where somebody is, 
maybe they're a pretty well-to-do person and, and you say, well, they have a, a negative condescending attitude, but man, they, they do give so much to the church. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure I want to address some of this because, well, we're going to lose a substantial donor and we need, we need those, that money or, you know, they're connected to so many other families in the church. So I don't want to, I don't want to deal with, with some of their, the fallout, whatever else they're doing because, you know, the ripple effect. And so I think in general, we look at it and say, well, why would anybody tolerate a Jezebel? And I, I think, I think we're missing that we're prone to tolerate the Jezebels yeah. um, mm-hmm. because nothing happens inside of a vacuum. And so because nothing happens inside of a vacuum, we're willing to put up with some things that aren't healthy for the, the life of the church, whether it's errant teaching, whether it's an attitude, whether it's behaviors, whether it's and just a lack of submission to authority, whatever it might be um, that undermines the whole. And then we do it because, and then we've got our own little list. And, and it comes down to a lack of belief that Jesus is Lord of the church as yeah. if, well, I need that. We need those gifts or we need those resources or we need that uh, cultural respectability as if those things mm-hmm. are the things that build up the church mm-hmm. and edify mm-hmm. the church. This comes down to a basic belief. This is again, why Jesus is the one that's addressing every church. He's saying, I know what you're doing. I know who you are. You must conform to my word. And so at the end of the day, all of us are faced with, am I going to believe Jesus's word, Jesus's ways, Jesus's means, or am I going to rest on my own wisdom? And I think that's that's vital to mm-hmm. remember as we're going mm-hmm. through these letters. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of these broadcasts on these church, these letters to the churches in Revelation, just go subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you this morning. May God be with you, and may you worship at um, your local church this coming Lord's Day. See you next time.